Libby writes with Brian Scott Libby. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast powered by Twisted Tea. Today, we have another Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week. This week, it is former Ole Miss kicker, proud Jackson Academy alumnus, Andrew Ritter. We talked about his path to Ole Miss, the decision to come to Ole Miss versus elsewhere, namely Arkansas, the art of kicking, the art of kicking off, a little bit of life after football and everything in between. Buckle up. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation but before we get to that, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. Time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves with best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local, based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. Seaspire provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today and use promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you'll get one month of free service. So you get a free month of internet service and the best internet service in the market just for listening to this podcast. How about that? Check them out. Seaspire customer inspired. This podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, the advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. You got a month left of football season, college football season, regular season, that is. Maybe you're behind. Use Skybox. They're the professionals. They hit and make money every single year. Don't get into a hole by going off your own leads 15 minutes before kickoff. Go sign up for Skybox. They're the professionals. It's all based off math. Go online, skyboxsportspicks.com. You can try a picks package a day, a week, a month. You got college basketball starting on Monday night. That is their bread and butter. They absolutely crush it in college basketball every year. You can try sports-specific. You can go all sports. I recommend going the year-long all-access pass. It'll pay for itself and then some. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com, the best sports handicappers in the world. You sign up, you get a color-coded spreadsheet categorized by unit, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were before signing up for Skybox. Go online today, get your picks package, use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here's Andrew Ritter. All right, we now welcome on the final Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week. What a better way to cap it off than a fellow Jackson Academy alum, Andrew Ritter, Ole Miss legend, kick in 2013. We'll get into that. I appreciate you joining the show, man. How you doing? Man, I'm great, baby. Thanks so much for having me. This is uh, uh, exciting to get chosen for this. It's completely unexpected, but I uh, appreciate the opportunity and, and, and get, looking forward to catching up with you. Absolutely, man. It's been a real treat. And so I always kind of go back to the beginning with each one of these interviews. And it's interesting from this vantage point, it was like we were at the same school. You're three, four years older than me. I can't quite remember, but I kind of watched you know, your career take off at Jackson Academy and then going, you know, obviously to Ole Miss to become a kicker. You were a hell of an athlete, though. Like, you're a bigger dude. We'll get into the – you got in the mix on some tackles, which I want to get into in a bit. But you were a, a hell of an athlete high school in general. At what point did you kind of realize, like, okay, I'm a pretty good kicker that could do this at the next level? Oh, man, that's funny. Your your memory is blurred, but I appreciate it very much. So, man, I, I grew up an Ole Miss fan and a football fan, and I, I really I wanted to be – 
a receiver. I wanted to play like wide receiver at Ole Miss. And I, I, I remember looking up to uh, Corey Peterson and Bill Flowers and um, Mike Espy uh, and all those guys. And, and so I, I, I but I, I quickly realized I had some height, but I couldn't run fast at all. <laughs> and I, or I, not fast enough to play wide receiver in the SEC, and I couldn't jump very high. Um, so I was—I realized those things were working against me. But fortunately, you know, my one of my first loves was soccer, and um, and I just—I just it was just natural to me. I just started picking it up, kicking the ball with my dad when I was in you know upper elementary school over there on the J field. We lived right next to the field, so we'd always roam over there and do that. And uh, I just was drawn to it, and realized early on that I had an opportunity. Uh, that I felt like I could grow in it and potentially have a shot to play at the next level. And so fortunately I realized that early on and really in the eighth grade, I, I wanted to continue playing in other positions um, just because I loved it, but I knew that my opportunity at the next level was going to be kicking. And so dad and I really started committing to doing camps and getting lessons and seeing where it would take us. And, uh, you know, fortunately it worked out and I was able to fulfill a dream of mine. Yeah, and I knew you were a great soccer player, too, because I remember when I was, you know, seventh, eighth grade, junior high or so, you had a hell of a soccer team with Aubrey Mays and a lot of those guys. And at that point, like, did you have any opportunities to play college soccer? Was that ever an interest for you at all? No, I, I mean, I was I was decent at soccer. I was more of just a big body, and I, I was good at heading the ball. I got a big head, and I was taller than everybody else. Um, and I was – I guess I was kind of – I played defense and, and center mid, and um, but when it came to the next level, I didn't have the the touch or the speed to, to do that. But it was such a fun sport. We had such a good group. And Coach Nick Henderson and Sam Peters and, of course, you know all the guys who are on the team too. We just had a blast. And Nick Henderson still to this day, I didn't play soccer my senior year because I was committing to Ole Miss. And um, I didn't want to risk getting hurt or anything like that. And I knew that was my next step. And I – those guys still hold that over my head to this day um, and haven't let me live it down. But a lot of good memories involved there. Um, but definitely I don't think I was good enough to, to take it to the next level at soccer. So what are I've, you're actually the second kicker we've had on as a part of this series. I had Jonathan Nichols on a few weeks back yeah. when you're trying to like learn how to best kick a football versus a soccer ball. Obviously you got like a round object versus an oblong object. What are the differences in the two and how did you kind of learn the art of actually kicking a football? Oh man, that's funny. You connected with Jonathan. I, I, he was actually in dental school in Jackson when I was in high school. And uh, I got a bunch of private lessons from him for a couple of years. And so he and I got really close during that time. So he was a good mentor to me. A great guy and a lot better kicker than I was. But we um man, I there's definitely similarities. And you know, one of the things is just learning how to control your leg and swing your leg and just having a natural um just that natural ability to kick, right? But there's definitely a lot of differences. Um, you know, I, I used to get done with soccer season and I would immediately transition to trying to kick a football and I would be terrible at kicking and I would start second guessing, oh my gosh, I've forgotten how to do this. I'm, I'm not even going to be the starting kicker at JA. I'm so bad. But it was just kind of tweak, trying to retrain my brain, retrain that muscle memory. I just developed habits of trying to spin the ball, right, and trying to place the ball. Whereas with kicking a football, you want to kick it the same every single time. You're not trying to hit these different shots or different passes like you are kicking a soccer ball. So it's retraining those muscles and creating those muscle memories. So there's definitely a lot of similarities. And I'd say the big – most important thing is just learning how to control your leg and have a natural swing in motion 
and really creating the muscle strength um, and leg speed that you need uh, to kick at the next level. And I think that's why nowadays, especially with everybody being soccer-style kickers, I find it hard to believe there's a kicker in college football in America that didn't grow up playing soccer. I just – I don't think that's the case, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and so for you, when you're you're kind of figuring out you're a good kicker and you can do this at the next level – was it always cracks me up like when watching like high school football games particularly the MAS level there's a wide range it's like all right this team might have a pretty good kicker or it's like holy shit they brought out a linebacker can this guy actually stick it through the upright on an extra yeah. point? like that was a real weapon though while you were playing at JA at what point did you kind of realize like hey I've got range that most people don't have at least <laughs> in this league well, uh it's funny you say that I, I think back and we, we talk about it often you know you play the, a team where They'd score a touchdown, and you'd see the offensive lineman or the center yeah. run out there. I was wearing like fifty-five running out there. Yeah, and he'd be he he. The a coach would toss him one of those square deals that you they'd strap around the front of their toe to come out there and toe poke with. Uh, so you definitely saw a lot of that at the high school level. So it, it you're right. It's not that common to have a good kicker at the high school level. Uh, fortunately. At JA, we had, I think, you know, a lot of those schools where we all kind of, there's a big soccer presence at those schools. So I think we all kind of naturally had better kickers than a lot of the more rural uh, high schools that we would play just from having that uh, access to soccer. But I guess I realized I could kick it far just, I don't know, just going to camps, you know, getting exposed to a lot of kids and a lot of the competition that's out there. You know, you never really know how good you are until you go to those camps and you're competing and you're trying to find a way to shine amongst a lot, you know, hundreds of kids from all over the place. So I started realizing I had a little bit, little bit of range, um, but I was really just fortunate that, you know, we had Coach Hawkins and Coach Hawkins wasn't scared to let me try and kick it, you know. And, and there was a rule in high school, which I still – it may still be the rule, but it's a crazy rule. If you kick a field goal – and you miss it, and it goes out of the back of the end zone, they consider it a touchback. So the other team gets the ball at the 20-yard line, even if it's a field goal. And so as long as you don't leave it short, it's going to be a touchback. So Coach Hawkins would say, man, look, if we pass the 50-yard line, we're trying to kick it. And Ritter, you just make sure if you miss it, you kick it out of the back of the end zone. And so it really opened the door for me to have a lot of opportunities at some long distance kicks where instead of giving the other team good field position, you're giving the ball to them at the 20 yard line. And it's just like you put accidentally punted the ball through the end zone. So it really opened that door. And I was fortunately able to capitalize on, on some of those opportunities. That is wild. I didn't know that among the yeah. weird, obscure rules, like levels of football have, that's definitely a weird one, but that's good for you because you're right. It's like, okay, I can just kind of let this rip. Like it, it goes in, that's right. great, like at least don't leave it short. I remember when I was talking to Nichols, he was, you know, he's a pillow Academy guy. He was talking about going to camps and that's kind of how he got noticed. But he was like, you know, in high school, you could kick off the tee. And then I get to this camp and I'm like, I'm not sure I can actually kick off the ground. Yeah. You deal with that at all. Was that still a rule? I can't remember. No, it, it definitely was. So, you know, you could, in high school, you could kick off a two inch block. And I did that my sophomore and junior year. And then as I knew I was wanting to play at the next level, I started transitioning down to a one-inch block just to kind of get better prepared to take that step off to kicking off the ground. Um, but when I got to – when you go to these camps, like I remember going to this, the LSU camp in between my junior and senior year, and I, I really hadn't been exposed at all to like 
getting recruited and getting my name out there yet, just a little bit. And I went down there to this, this LSU camp, and, man, there's hundreds of kids from all over the country. And I'm seeing – I'd been seeing, you know, the Rivals.com and the Scout.com rankings of kickers, and I'm like, how are these kids ranked? Like, what are they doing to be ranked? I don't understand. Like, I'm sending my highlight reel out to every school in America trying to get noticed. But these kids, for some reason, are ranked, and I'm not. Like, are they that much better than I am? And they were all from Texas, you know, the Dallas or Houston areas or California, um, you massive know, these programs. big, massive, major metropolitan areas that are known for high, you know, high school football. And um, I went down to LSU, and they said, "Look, you, you got to kick off the ground if you want. If you want to take you serious, we got to kick. You got to kick off the ground." I had that same "oh crap" moment that Jonathan's talking about. Like I'm down here to try and get noticed and compete against these guys. And now all of a sudden I got to kick off the ground, which I've never done. Fortunately, I had a really good day. And um, I hit the ball really well off the ground um, and just competed against these guys. And really, I think seeing these guys and they were all getting, you know, the coaches were buttering up to them. And uh, I, what I realized, too, was these kicking camps are put on by, you know, the top kicking coaches in America. That they, They've commercialized kicking. And there's nothing wrong with that because it, it's good. It promotes competition outside of the games and you get to measure yourself. You get coaching, you get uh, exposure. It's a good thing, but it's commercialized, right? So if you're paying these guys to come to their camp or to get private lessons, that's how these guys were getting ranked. Well, I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. They weren't having any of these camps in Jackson, Mississippi. Definitely weren't having these private lessons with these guys as those guys were out of these big major metros. And um, so I go down there and I just got ticked off, Rippy. I was seeing these guys who I've never, you know, they're, they're the ones that are ranked. They're the ones with offers and exposed. And I'm like, man, I, 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 what do I have to lose here? Nobody knows who I am. I'm just going to try and rip it and see what happens. And, you know, fortunately, I was blessed to have a good day, probably one of the better days of kicking I've ever had at that camp. And I got exposed with the, the guy who was putting the camp on, which was Chris Saylor uh, kicking. He's one of the big names in kicking camps, and it just took off from there. And he invited me to what he calls his top 12 camp in Los Angeles, which is they invite like the top 25 high school camp kickers and punters uh, and snappers from the country to come out there in July and just compete. And that's how they end up doing the, the ranking and rivals and scout and all them. That's how they would really pull their rankings. And so it was a really good opportunity for me to get my name out there. And then those coaches would connect you with, coaches at college programs throughout the country and really help push you. So that to me, having that one good day where that oh crap moment of kicking off the ground, but fortunately the good Lord helped me out and it, it went well. Um, that's kind of what took things off for me and um, exposed me to the recruiting world, I guess. You mentioned that camp and that day being a seminal moment for you. What was it like actually getting first approached by major college programs to start kicking? Like who calls you or like, what was the moment you're like, okay, we actually have something here. Yeah. So it was that, it was at that camp. Uh, I had gotten an offer from army um, and Northwestern state. That's kind of a loaded before. offer. Like well, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, they, they have a hard time getting kids. I mean, Checking, I think they all they would offer. I wasn't the only kicker that they offered, um, but I, it was an honor and it, and it was incredible to get. Um, but that was really the only recruiting I'd gotten. I remember I'd gotten one call from Ole Miss inviting me to Junior Day, and 
Rippy, you would have thought I just hit the Powerball. Like I, yeah, I, I, it was it was unbelievable. You know, just the feeling. Um, but that camp was when it really kind of took off. Like I mentioned, so at the end of that camp, um, I got my dad and I got pulled aside, and we got asked to go meet one on one with Les Miles in okay. his office. And um, Dad and I had a moment like, oh my gosh, am I about to get offered by LSU? And I grew up in a diehard Ole Miss family. I'm a fourth generation Ole Miss grad. Um, dad, mom, and dad went to Ole Miss. Both of my granddads went to Ole Miss. My great grandfather was a honorary alumnus um, of the university. He was a sports writer for the Claire and Ledger and covered Ole Miss, and they declared him an honorary alumnus. So it's it's special to us. It's in our blood, right? Well, Dad and I were like, we're our eyes were getting open. We're seeing these facilities and seeing the stadium and seeing. Coach Miles's national championship ring, you know, in his office. And we're like, holy cow, there it's a big world out there, right? There's a lot, there's a lot that these programs can offer. And I remember um that was when we realized, man, we we might actually have an opportunity to to really go play at a high level. Um and it I, he didn't offer me that day, but he told me they were really interested and that, you know, they wanted to keep recruiting me and stay in touch. And um it just it opened my my eyes to what opportunities may be there and was a real big stepping stone for me, like I mentioned, but it was fun. It, you know, I look, I look, I go back and I remember my grandmother, um, she'd kill me if, if she knew I was saying this, but she's, she's passed away now, but I, I was, my grandfather passed away when I was in eighth grade and he was a, he was a rebel through and through. He had a red cat named rebel. And um, I've told her that, you know, we'd gone to LSU and I had this meeting with Les Miles and it went great and all this stuff. And she said, Andrew, your grandfather would roll over his grave if he heard you talking about this. <laughs> and uh, it just, it was, it was so funny, you know, looking back, it was just neat. We all got to care, uh, experience those memories together. And uh, yeah, that was a pivotal point for us. So you started talking to coaches like that and you started getting a little bit more attention. And it's funny there's a part of you, I imagine, 16, 17 years old, starstruck. It's like Les Miles is talking to me. But as you kind of get the recruiting pitch from other schools, like, did you kind of ever get the sense, like, Les Miles is a perfect example. It's like, hey, what the hell is this guy talking about? This guy's kind of weird. Like, what were those conversations actually like? Yeah, that's It's funny you say that. I mean, looking back on it, like, I wish I had the perspective I have now. Like, you know, you're just older and, you know, you pick up on things a little bit better than you did then. But Man, back then it was I was just so starstruck with all of it. You know, you just um I, I wouldn't say I had that and I ended up Bobby Petrino, I got recruited by Arkansas and um I ended up really when it came down to it deciding between Arkansas and Ole Miss and he came down and met with our family and, and came and my mom cooked gumbo and he had gumbo with me and my mom and dad at, at our dining room table, you know, and um and looking back and now all the drama that unfolded <laughs> with him, it's just really funny looking back and seeing, you know, these are human beings too, right? And they're dealing with the same things that a lot of people are dealing with. But at that time, you know, you're just so starstruck and those guys have their hopes and dreams in the palm of their hand, your hopes and dreams in the palm of their hands. And I just, it was a fun experience. It really was. I remember, so I had Ryan Buchanan come on somewhat regularly last year to kind of talk about quarterbacks and football and all of that. And he has an incredible recruiting story where he went to Arkansas and he's up there for the visit. 
And he's like walking out of the facility and there's like news cameras like surrounding the Arkansas football facility. He's like, damn, are these guys here for me? And then he and his dad go back to the hotel. And that was the day the motorcycle thing happened. So they oh go my gosh, the hotel. He's like, oh they weren't God. here for me. This is a bigger story. And it's just yeah. kind of the craziness of SEC recruiting. And so for you, obviously, you wanted to end up at Ole Miss. I know I'd watched um, a season special that they did on you at the end of your career in 2013. And you mentioned it got down to there in Arkansas. Kind of take me through when the Ole Miss interest came along and what actually led to that decision of, do I go to Arkansas or do I go to Ole Miss? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ole Miss had been recruiting me pretty hard from that summer before my senior year. Um, through my so that's school. all nut. Ogeron is in the in the rear view. That's right. It was it was not. Yeah. It was just it, it was his going to be his second. No, I'm sorry. It was going to be second uh, year, right? Because oh eight after your junior year. That's, that's right. So yeah, okay. That's right. They were going into that. My senior year was nuts. First year at Ole Miss. So my freshman year was his second year at Ole Miss. So. They were recruiting me as James Sheavis, who's a special teams coordinator, who's oh man, he's awesome. They were recruiting me really hard, but they didn't have a scholarship and they had offered me a preferred walk on. And um, you know, it was really important to me. I mean, if I had the if I had a division one scholarship, it was hard to turn that down and then go ask my dad to fund my college, right? Like right. that just was a tough ask. Um and it wasn't something I, you you just you realize when you're going to the next level, just when you're on scholarship, it just you mean more to the program. I mean that's just the reality. A lot of times, I'm not saying it should be, but looking back, that's how sometimes scholarship athletes can be treated better and have a better opportunity because they're more invested in you. Perception uh, again, is everything. The right things for sure. Yeah, it's just the reality. And so I I really I was torn because I had this love for Ole Miss and this you know, deep down desire that that was my, one of my dreams. But then you get Arkansas comes in late and offers you a full ride. You know, before that, I, my only other offer was I had Army and I had Southern Miss. And so I was considering Southern Miss, but I really wanted to play SEC football. Uh, I had a preferred walk on at LSU, um, but I wasn't really going to take that, obviously, because that's out-of-state tuition. And, and, and uh, I had these other offers. And then Arkansas came in and offered. And so I went and visited Arkansas Rippey and – Man, there's a beautiful place up there. That place campus, is amazing. Yeah, it is. And so you you leave there, and I'm like, shoot, I think I'm I think I might go to Arkansas. I mean, I really do. They've offered me a full ride to come play SEC football at an incredible university, and we were making the eight hour drive back from Fayetteville to Jackson, and my mom was in the front seat, and I was telling my telling my parents, you know, I think I might go there. I think I might go there, and. I didn't realize at the time, but my mom was crying in the front seat in front of me. And my dad was texting her, telling her to get keep it together. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's funny looking back and knowing that. But after that, Ole Miss really put the heat on me. Um, I think they realized that I wasn't just going to walk on. And so after that, they, they really stepped up to the plate and put the heat on me. And, um, and they made me an offer. So it, it was – at that time, I was still kind of torn because I felt like, you know, they were just stepping up because they realized they were about to lose me to Arkansas. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a business. These guys are managing their roster, managing their amount of scholarships. They're not going to – they can only use so many torch kickers and specialists. And so I get – I got that and I understood it. And I prayed a lot about it, man. And um, deep down I knew that's where I wanted to be and where I was called to be. And so 
uh, that's where we ended up going. So that's a fascinating point you bring up. Like, take me through the end of that process because uh, that was another thing I was going to ask you after watching that video. I one of the few benefits of being a reporter for however long I was doing it is I got to see all the SEC towns and I love Fayetteville. I would put Fayetteville and Athens as my two favorite SEC towns that aren't Oxford. It's just so damn far away. I mean, it's six hours from Oxford, eight hours from Jackson. It's a great place. It's really lovely. I love Dixon street. I've loved going up there for baseball series. I've really enjoyed every, really every moment I was ever at Arkansas. And you mentioned they offered you a full scholarship. I imagine from an Ole Miss standpoint, you know, you mentioned the business of it and you only have so many scholarships to put with kickers and all of that. They're like, hey, this is a fourth generation old Miss kid. Maybe we can squeeze him as a preferred walk on, even though he probably deserves a scholarship. Maybe we can, you know, skirt the scholarship limitations at that point. Did Ole Miss offer you a scholarship by that point or did you take a preferred walk on because you loved Ole Miss more? What? How did that yeah, actually yeah. end up? Yeah, no, good, good, good question. So basically they, Ole Miss came to me and said, look, we can't offer you today. Day one, we cannot offer you today. Um, but what we will do is we will – they kind of did a gray shirt. So they said, look, okay. if you will pay for your freshman year, we will guarantee you we'll sign a contract with whatever it was. We signed something that guarantees we put you on this date. We'll put you on full scholarship. It wasn't January. It was going to be immediately following – the May of my freshman year, I'd go on full scholarship. And so my dad, you know, he said, look, Andrew, I don't, I want you to evaluate both of these offers as if they're the exact same. Like, obviously, yeah, we'll have to figure out a way to pay for freshman year, but, you know, I want you to go where you want to go. And I want you to know, like in my eyes, these are the, the same, you have the same offer at both schools. So you make the decision that you feel is best for you. And fortunately I had a dad who, you know, was willing to do it for my mom and dad. Um, I, I keep saying that, but my mom and dad who were willing to make that sacrifice for me um, to be able to go where I wanted to go. And and when I when that got laid on the table, you know, I realized that heck, they're going to put me on, and and that was what I needed from them to feel like they were willing to invest in me that, as far as Ole Miss goes, and be committed to me and my family. And so that's when I I couldn't couldn't say no at that point. We'll get back to Andrew in just one second, but before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experience. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're a Rippy Wright subscriber. That's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now it's three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 evaluation you're getting there for $20. Just go in, show Greg proof of subscription, tell him you know about the Rippy Rights newsletter. He'll get you set up, and then go find all of your own favorites. It's the greatest butcher shop in the world. Incredible cuts of meat. I love the fillet burgers. All kinds of delicious sausages. The tri-tip is incredible. It's 
Truly a gem of Oxford and a gem of the South. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Andrew. You having the wherewithal that you did and kind of the self-awareness, I would describe it, of like how the kicking recruiting process works. And like, look, it's nothing personal. It's like we just can't offer a scholarship to a kicker. Yeah. It happens in, in every class until they finally got rid of the limitations. But as you're kind of balancing that with Ole Miss where you wanted to be, was there any part of you that was like, hey, well, Arkansas offered me a full scholarship. Did, like they actually value me as a better kicker. Was there any sort of that in your decision process? There are 100 percent was that and and leading up to really after my official visit i got back and i i'd have told you rippy i was going to i was going to um arkansas i mean i i that my mind was all but made up and Ole miss that's when that they they turned the heat up and after once they did that and i came up and i met with them during their cotton bowl practice and then i came up for my official visit I just – I really felt at home, and I felt like they wanted me just as bad as Arkansas did. But, you know, it just – I understood the business mechanics of it. And so, like I said, when my dad get put it put it that way, um, you know, hey, we're guaranteed to go on scholarship after year one, um, I had to take it. I couldn't turn that down. I just had too, too much red and blue in my veins, man. It was, uh, it was, it was too hard to turn that down. One last thing before we get to your old Miss career, the MIS thing is always fascinating to me because you know you're a big part of Joey Hawkins' offense that year. I imagine, right? Like, did you you played receiver through your senior year, correct? Yeah, I played receiver and I played some defense. I played uh, a little bit of everything. I played some linebacker. I played some safety. Um, a little bit of a pass rush DN. So you know, it, Jay, we didn't have you don't have a hundred men on the roster, so you end up doing a lot. But, um, yeah, so I, I was playing those other positions. I loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved it. But, like I said earlier, I realized and that wasn't going to be taken to the next level. Yeah, I was about to say, definitely not 100 people on the roster. I think I graduated with 88. But, like, what's that <laughs> like? Like, you're playing a high school football game. And, like, for the importance of that game, what you're doing as a receiver or as a linebacker or safety, like, all that's done. It's like, oh, I got to go kick the extra point. I got to go kick the field goal, which actually like, matters for my future more. Like, how is that balance? Yeah. How do you balance that throughout the course of a football game? That's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. I, you know, the one good thing about it is you're not just sitting there on the sideline just thinking yeah. about the next kick. You know, you, you're truly – you're in the game. Uh, your mind is rolling from play to play and focus on, you know, each play. And, and you, so you don't have time to think. You don't have time to get in your head. So I feel like there was a lot of benefit to it. The one thing was sometimes you just get fatigued, right, uh, and that can make an impact. But I thought it made me better, man. It made me stronger. It, um, Like I said, it made me 
you know, be able to just brush things off probably a lot better. Um, and we had some depth too. So I went, it wasn't like I was going every single play playing, you know, a hundred percent of the plays on both offense and defense. I was able to get the rest I needed to still be able to perform. I think it also, it, it, it was a good thing for me. I really think. So you get to Ole Miss, how quickly do you kind of figure out where you stand in the mix when you get to Ole Miss for that fall camp or whatever it is in 2009? How quickly do you kind of realize, okay, here's where I stand? What was that like for you getting adjusted to SEC football? Yeah, good question, man. I I remember going in that locker room for the first time the summer before my freshman year and be like, oh, my gosh, these are some big boys. Like, this is a – this is a whole other level. Um, so I, there was definitely my eyeballs were, were really big going in, but man, it, it was also it was just so surreal. You know, I mentioned it was a dream of mine. So getting to go out there and compete with these guys, you know, in high school, I mean, we had some other kickers on the team in high school that I had to compete with. So it's not a shot at any of those guys. We actually had some really good backup kickers um, that helped make me better. But you get to college, and man, there's there's three, four guys that are kickers on the roster that are uh have the ability to play at that level and so every day at practice if it's a tuesday or a thursday you know you all everybody thinks about game day but heck when you're competing for a job your tuesday practice feels like a game day you know you got butterflies going into practice because you know you got to compete against these guys to try and win the starting job so there was a lot of that it was just really good and that competition makes everybody better and so going into to college and getting a kick against Joshine and Justin Sparks and Bryson Rose and other guys we had David Hankins. Um man, they all we all made each other better. And I, I was fortunate just I, I at that age we didn't have a solidified that going to that freshman year, we didn't have a solidified kickoff guy. And we we're still kicking off from the 30 yard line. So kicking off was probably more challenging than it is now because they're kicking off from 35 and they can do the fair catches. Josh Sheen had locked up the field goal position, but I saw an opportunity to compete at that kickoff spot. Um, and man, I was fortunate. We just went into it in the fall camp and me and David Hankins and Justin Sparks competed. And, um, I remember, I'll never forget, I, they hadn't even told me I was going to be starting, and then Houston Nutt was getting interviewed before the first game, and he announced that I'd be handling the kickoffs on the interview, and it was like, it was just so surreal. It was it was exciting. But if, if it wasn't for that competition, you know, um, every day, I, I, I don't know if I would have had what it takes, if that makes sense. So we all made each other better, and it, it was uh, – I would until that that him saying that on the radio that I realized I was going to be on the field that next Saturday. It absolutely makes sense. And what's interesting about college football versus professional football is as strange as it is, like you mentioned, lack of scholarships, like you're kind of just trying to figure out where you stand in the landscape. College football does have the flexibility from a roster standpoint where you can have a kickoff specialist. Like that's basically died in the NFL. Like no one oh, does yeah. a kickoff specialist anymore. It's all done. But for you, I know they 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 said, you know, gray shirt will put you on scholarship after X date, but I imagine that first fall camp, there's no guarantees. Like, you ever worried about, like, I'm going to get my ass cut here, even if I don't win the starting job, I have to find a role. I guess I actually packaged that into a question. Like, how important was it for you finding that kickoff role over, early on of, like, hey, I have a long-term future with this program? Yeah, it was super important because – you know, obviously, I didn't end up kicking field goals until my fifth year, so it didn't go according to plan. But for me at that time, I wanted that experience. I just wanted that game experience. I thought it would be beneficial for me to get game experience 
at the kickoff position that hopefully I could translate into um, place kicking after that. So, man, it was it definitely to your point. You can't do that in the NFL. They're not going to do it on a fifty-three man roster. They're not going to carry two kickers. But in college, you have that ability. So to me, it was super important. Um, and it ended up working out. Like I said, it didn't go perfect plan. You know, transition from there to kicking field goals, kicking off Bryson Rose was incredible, had an incredible career, and he beat me out for that position my sophomore year. But in the long run, it all, all worked itself out all according to God's plan. So we we had a – it was awesome. It's funny looking back now, and I actually went back and looked back at an old Facebook message I had. So when you go to Ole Miss, I think I'm in like eighth grade. So like knowing someone loosely who played Ole Miss football, I was like, this guy's a god. So I think I like Facebook message. I was like, it's nice to finally have a guy that kicks the ball in the back of the end zone. I believe this is after y'all played Memphis in like 2009. Looking back, I probably would have held that one in the DMs, but I was like, you know what? We're going to shoot our shot here. <laughs> what it's is awesome. the art of kicking the ball off into the back of the end zone in that day and time? Like when your role was that, what did you work on? Yeah, I mean, just trying to rear back and nail it. Piss out of it. I mean, I, that's kind of what we would say. You know, it's – it was a lot of fun kicking off because you just get to run and sprint at a ball and kick it as hard as you can. I mean, there's fundamentals involved. But um, back then, coming from the 30, I mean, it was a long way. I mean, you get back to that – you're standing – I'd be standing on the 20-yard line looking at the end zone, trying to kick it out of the back of the end zone. Um, and But it was it was fun. You didn't have to be as fundamental, I guess. And if you got ticked off, you could try and take it out on ball. As opposed to if you try to do that on a field goal, you're – probably going to shank it <laughs> for you i looked up there's some college stat site that actually has tackles for kickers which i'm eternally grateful for for the purpose of this interview you're a pretty you're a pretty big guy like you weren't were you not afraid to get in the mix and like i will actually rough a ball carrier up here man i always wanted to i always want to make some tackles and fortunately i had some opportunities oh well, i say fortunately what it meant i didn't kick the ball through the end zone right so it meant right. they were, i kicked it short and they were bringing it out but I had a few tackles there. I think my 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 my, my one I'm most proud of was I tackled Trent Richardson in my sophomore year at Alabama, and somehow, or I thought he, I went from thinking he was about to absolutely take my head off to DT Shackelford hit him from the side and got him off balance, and I just dove in there with my head down, and my helmet hit the ball and the ball shot out and he fumbled. And so I, I remember coming to the sidelines and all the specialists were like, Ritter, you just forced a fumble on Trent Richardson. And I was like, holy cow, I can't believe that just happened. But if it wasn't for DT Shackford, I would not be here today. I'd be, I would have died on the field at Bryant Denny um, because Trent had a full head of steam. But I saw my opportunity and it worked out. So for you, you mentioned, you know, not becoming the full time field goal kicker till your fifth year. Obviously, you had a lot of competition going in. Was there a moment for you where you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to work out? What actually led to the point of you not actually winning the kicking job to your fifth year? Yeah, so coming into my sophomore year, Bryson Rose, who he was he was a year ahead of me. He redshirted, so we were the same age on the field. I was a true sophomore. He was a redshirt sophomore. We were competing for the starting job. And uh, it was down to the you know last – week before the game and they announced Bryson as the starter and it was rightfully so. Bryson was good. He was better than I was and hitting a really good ball and had a lot of success for us. Made a lot of kicks. So, you know, from there on out it was, you know, you try and compete, you try and compete, but Bryson was doing his job and he he deserved that job. So I knew I wasn't 
going to be the starting place kicker uh, at Ole Miss unless something happened and Bryson, you know, lost his ability, right? He just got in a bad slump, which didn't happen. So coming into my fourth year, so my true senior year, and Bryson's redshirt senior year, Freeze had come uh, to Ole Miss, and they moved that simultaneously with that year, they moved the kickoff from the 30 to the 35. So kicking off was not as challenging uh, as it had been. And, and so I really want to kick field goals. It was a dream of mine. And also I had two classes left to graduate in December. So I was going to be graduating college in three and a half years. All my friends would still be in school. I was going to be done, done with football, done with college. I was kind of freaking out about that. And I also was – I wasn't ready to accept not kicking field goals in college yet. And so I had this epiphany that I wanted to talk to Hugh Freeze and ask him if I could redshirt. Um, but he – I didn't know him. He was brand new there, and I didn't want my right. first conversation with him to be, hey, hey, I know I've been playing, but now I want to sit out. You know, how is he going to take that? And I prayed a lot about it. Um, talked to my parents. Um, talked to Jonathan Nichols and my, some of my closest friends about how, you know, is this the right decision? And I really felt like God was telling me it was the right decision. And so I was preparing myself to have that conversation with Hugh Freeze. And while I was kicking, Bryce and I were kicking during um, uh, practice one day in spring ball. And Hugh Freeze walked up to us and said, hey, guys, I know you are both seniors. Did, have either one of y'all not redshirted? And I said, Coach, I hadn't redshirted, and I'd absolutely oh, wow. love to talk to you about it. And I knew right then and there that was God telling me this is the right move. And so it went from me thinking I had to sell Hugh Freeze to Hugh thinking he needed to sell me. And, you know, he phrased it as, look, well, and Tyler Campbell ended up doing it with me, who was our starting punter at the time, because we had a the backup punter was a redshirt senior. So he said, look, we'll – you get your master's, you know, we'll pay for your master's. We'll give you another year of football and give you a chance to kick field goals next year. Um, and so we jumped on it. And so it allowed us to get our MBAs and have a whole another year of football. And it ended up being the best decision that uh, we ever made. So I'm super grateful for that. That's an incredible story. I really had no idea that that was the case. And as you told me that story, I'd be like, you know, the first part of it, you were obviously like new head coach, like the kicker's going to walk in the office and ask about his status on the football team. Like that probably wouldn't have gone over very well. But then yeah. simultaneously, it's like, hey, kickers don't grow on trees. Like if if you can pitch in this idea to work and it sounds like it worked itself out, you know, on its own. And so for you, you redshirt that year, and then you have that year. How much competition did you have going into that last year? So I had a good bit of competition. So we had – I had a guy named Andrew Fletcher who he had transferred from Louisville. Um, he was he was there kicking. We had a guy named Nathan Noble who had come in and was uh, um, from Washington School uh, and had a big leg. And then also we had Andy Papanasas who Andy and, you know, he was a gray shirt guy came in really good place kicker, ended up kicking at Alabama, transferred to Alabama and kicked at Alabama for his senior year. Um, so I was competing against some young guys, but they were good, talented kickers. So there, it wasn't a gimme, um, at all, but again, going back to competition makes everybody better. I, I was, I was grateful for it in the long run because, I didn't have a lock on that position by any means, so I had to show up ready to work every single day. So it's finally your job. Do you remember the first time you stepped out and made a field goal? How big of a realization of a dream is that? Yeah, man, it was. I, we were playing at Vanderbilt Thursday night, first college football game of the year. 
Jeff Scott um, game? Jeff Scott game. And uh, we, we drove down, and it was uh, first points of the game, short field goal. I mean, heck, it might have been like a 32-yarder. But it felt like it was a 55-yarder, you know. But I remember watching it go through the uprights, and I was like, man, that – that felt really good. And that that right there was why, you know, I sat out a year and why I stayed. And um to be able to play that role was just a dream for me. And uh I had I had some misses in there, you know, probably people cussed me from uh a handful of times, but um I was grateful to be on that field and, and that first one go through felt mighty good. And then, of course, you get the moment that everyone remembers for, you know, forever. The thir- 2013 LSU game, you guys are down a ton of guys. It was a heroic performance. You have that kick to win the football game. Are you wanting to piss your pants? Take me through the uh, take me through the moments before on the sideline until that kick goes through the uprights. Yeah, yeah, man. So as a kicker, that's what you dream of, you know. I mean, you, you're scared to death. You want them to – you won't maybe hit a post route, you know, for six and take the pressure off. But deep down, you know, this is literally what I've laid in bed and dreamed about at night for the greater part of my life. So you want that opportunity. And I'd had a kick that would have put us up by 10 blocked. um, I remember. Yeah, that's right. A few few minutes before that. And that was haunting my memory, Rippy. I mean, I was, I was just so upset about it. I wanted a chance to redeem that. I just, I wanted it. I was, you know, deep down you're scared to death, but I wanted that opportunity. And it was so surreal um, when they come up and they say, hey, where do you want the where do you want the ball? What hash you want it on? That, that means we're about to hand it off to the running back or the quarterback's just about to roll out and fall down where you want it. And here we go. So um, it was like an outer body experience. And, you know, Will Denny, who went to JA2, who I know you know him and Matt, getting to do that with him as my long snapper and Chris Conley as, as the, the holder and just all your brothers who you grinded with for so long and to wait, you know, five years for that moment. Uh, it was special. And man, I'm, I'm so glad it went in. <laughs> Did you know off the foot it went in? I hit it good. I knew I hit it good. I wasn't, it was start, it was kind of fading right when I initially looked at it, but it it, uh, it curved back in, and um, it didn't take long to realize it was going in. But there was a minute there where I saw the fade, and I thought, ooh, ooh please hang on. As some random idiot who knows nothing about kicking, there was a point where I was, like, looking at your kicking. You would always penetrate the ball very low. Is that accurate at all? Did you do that on purpose? I mean, you want to you want to hit the ball at the at – the, like right as you're at the bottom of your downswing kind of and hitting it kind of the sweet spot of that ball is halfway between the middle of the ball and the bottom part of the ball. So you want to hit it on the, on, on the, at the very bottom of that downswing. So you're catching it right at the beginning of your upswing and can get it up and get it elevated. And that's where you're going to get the most power. So it's kind of, it's a lot of similarities to golf. You know, a lot of, there's always these kicking coaches making a lot of references to that. Um, but it's, uh, I, I didn't always hit it where I was supposed to. Let's just say that. <laughs> you would have had opportunities elsewhere as we wrap up here. Uh, your kicking path could have gone in a ton of different directions, but it doesn't sound like from the sense I've gotten talking for the last 45 minutes, you regret anything you did as far as college decision, that path to being the kicker that fifth year. It sounds like it was all worth it. Would you change a thing? Man, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to been able to play for my in-state university, um, a university that's so special to my family. 
um, in a town like Oxford, uh, it just there's no way I, I would have had the same experience going somewhere else. There's just no way I would have. So I know that, you know, I, maybe I didn't go in and start all four years and set the field goal record, you know, the point score records or anything like that. But, man, I'm grateful for the opportunity I had. It was a dream come true, um, like I've said. And I know it was where God wanted me to be. And now here we are. I've, I'm, I'm married. I've got two kids, and we live in Oxford, um, you know, back right where we want to be. And so I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to be a Rebel. Absolutely a great place to be. but. On Saturday night, as you go through all these festivities this week, what do you think it'll be like being on that field again? Will it bring out some nostalgia? Oh, definitely. It'll be. It certainly will. You know, I I, I hadn't been on that field in a while. I, I I go to all the games, but I'm sitting in the stands, and it's a completely different experience. So I'm looking forward to standing on it, being able to look around and and reminisce uh, on the good times because we got a lot of good memories there. Last, last thing. This is honestly for my own personal interest. One of the greatest gifts the internet has ever given us is the fact that Ole Miss started the season in 2011, which was nuts last year. I know he's the guy that got you to Ole Miss. He's great. Seems like an awesome dude. But man, there's some points in like halftime locker room speeches where it's like, what the hell is this guy saying? The Baghdad speech uh, sticks out. Was there ever a point with Nut where you're like, hey, what in God's name is this guy saying to us right now? <laughs> Man, there is there's so many points. I can't think of a specific one, but it doesn't matter who it was, whatever coach. I mean, there's so many. We, there's nothing more fun than getting around a fire with some of my old teammates and telling stories about some of the speeches that we've heard. You know, or some of the sayings that these coaches have. But now, as an adult, you know, you realize I, I don't know how they came up with half of what they came up with. I mean, to have to talk to people that much and deliver like motivational speeches that often. I mean, that is a challenging thing to do. It really is. So I really can't fault them for some of the crazy stuff they would come up with. And it's made for some good war stories. Man, I really appreciate the time. This is everything I had for you. This is a ton of fun for me. I appreciate you doing this. Enjoy your weekend. Be well and definitely uh, enjoy the recognition you deserve. Oh, shoot. Thank you, Ricky. Appreciate you having me, man. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Appreciate Andrew's time. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. We'll be back at it with Weldon on Sunday. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to this podcast as always.